let me give you a little bit of an intro to uh, the message you're going to hear this morning. Because we're on this series that's called Neighboring. And Jesus gave us this one really great commandment that was actually two parts. Because he says, here's the first one, and the second one is equal to it. He says that we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he goes, the second one is equal to it, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're on this series of neighboring. We talked about racism and culture last week. Uh, Pastor Miles McPherson shared that really great video. And today I had one all planned out and I was writing a sermon and I was really fired up and I wanted the whole church to hear it. But then came the news of the hurricane and all of this and we had to cancel Friday. We had to cancel Ahuimanu. We weren't sure if we were even going to be having services here today because we don't meet in a normal building like everybody else does, right? We meet in a tent on the side of a mountain in Kaneohe at the windward side of Oahu. So there's a good chance that we're not just canceling church, but church might not be here, you know, like it's gone, you know? Um... And the other thing is, if it was crazy winds and stuff, I don't want you guys driving out there on the road to try to come to church. So we're just trying to be better safe than sorry. So that being said, is I had a really good message all lined up about neighboring, and I'm going to share it later, but I just wasn't sure if we were going to have it this weekend. So I said, there's an amazing video message. I went to a, a conference just recently, a different one than what I showed you last week. But Pastor Tom and I went to this conference recently, and this woman was there that shared. She's a professor at Seattle Pacific University, in a professor of reconciliation studies. She's also a staff pastor at Quest Church in Seattle. And she brought this word that ties right into our neighboring series. Because the whole thing that she's talking about is how to love your neighbor as yourself. But in order to do that, you have to first love yourself. So a lot of you guys, a lot of us, we struggle with that which makes it hard for us to go out there and love the world around us because we haven't learned to embrace loving ourselves the way that God loves us. So she's going to share by this message, and which is really, I think, a God thing. Because in this sermon series, I wasn't going to show this message, but God brought it so that this is a message for you here today. And I get to preach mine next week or the week after, so you get to hear it all, and that's a good thing. But check Check the screens out. This is Brenda Salter McNeil, and she's speaking about the Samaritan woman at the well. Take a look at this. Lord God, we pray that through us, you would so show us what transformation looks like, that through us, transformation would come, that we would no longer be conformed to this world and how it operates, but we, the people of God, would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So speak, Lord. We're listening with our full attention. We want to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said together, amen and amen. Now that we're ready, hear what God has to say from John chapter 4, uh, which we call the woman at the well. But listen now to the word of God. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him or her will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so, I, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but the Jews, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said... I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. My brothers and my sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. As I spend my time with you this morning, I'm honored and I want to share with you uh, from the theme, my friend Sam. And I know that sounds kind of weird as we think about this notion of being transformed by living water, but I want to tell the story of this woman because I believe she was transformed indeed, but I also feel like she's gotten a bad rap in scripture. I feel like the way she's been talked about is that somehow Jesus showed up at that well and the whole purpose was to reconcile her to God. She was this horrible person who had done all these horrible things, and if, if we'd let the story be told from that particular narrative, that single story, all we kind of know is that Jesus came so she'd be reconciled to God. And I want to suggest to you that indeed, God indeed reconciled her to God in this text. But I also want you to know that when we just talk about what vertically happens in this text, we miss the whole story of the gospel. Because I believe that this 
text demonstrates that when Jesus Christ reconciles us to God, he also reconciles us across every single divide, that, that barrier that divides us, our gender, our, 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 our religious differences, our denominational differences, our racial, our ethnic, our cultural differences. When we get reconciled to God, we get reconciled to each other. And both of these things happen in the text. And anything less than this is not the cross. Amen. We've been preaching a gospel that's kind of one-sided. And I'm here to declare that Jesus needs us, as we heard in our earlier session, not to be spectators, but to be equipped with the whole gospel. Amen. Not just a part of the gospel, which is only a stick to bop people over the head. If we really want to preach the gospel, we have to preach the horizontal and the vertical together. And the church said, amen, amen. And so I want you to see this text and I want you to see that this woman is more like us than we think. She doesn't have a name. She's just been called the Samaritan woman. But because I like her so much, I decided her name should be Samantha, something gutsy. Amen. That's right. I thought she should have a name because her story resonates so much with me. And if you listen more carefully and we don't just scapegoat her, you might actually see that her story almost sounds like your story too. So I want to introduce you to my friend, Sam. This woman, my friend, Sam, she grew up in a society that discriminated against her because of her gender and her ethnicity. And not to understand that is not to understand her. Amen? None of us come to Christ in a vacuum. There is a big societal reality that happens around us. And for her, the reality was that Samaritans were considered half-breed dogs. That's how Jews thought of them, and that's exactly how Jews treated them. Amen? Amen. A quiet church is not a good church. I need somebody to say amen. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Let me help you. Amen. The redeemed of the Lord should say so. Amen. So it is just plain true that the Samaritans were despised. No self-respecting Jew was caught dead with a Samaritan or in a Samaritan's company, and they definitely didn't go to Samaria. It is amazing that the text begins by saying Jesus had to go through Samaria because the truth be told, he didn't have to geographically go through Samaria. No Jew ever went through Samaria. That's exactly why we have the story of the good Samaritan who helped a Jewish man who was robbed and left half dead on a road that he was taking to avoid going through Samaria. And the church said, that's true. This afternoon, I'll have the pleasure after this session to do a seminar on the same text. And I'm going to show you not just now the vertical transformation, but exactly what Jesus did to make the horizontal become true. Because he had to do what no other Jew would do. And if we're going to be God's people living in this day and this time, we too will have to do what other folks, amen, choose not to do. Amen. So glad to have a witness because we do need all hands on deck right now. And we need to be well-informed evangelical Christians because some of our credibility is on the line. And rightly so. And we do need to live more like Jesus, look more like Jesus, talk more like Jesus, do the stuff that Jesus did. Amen. That's why I love this text because 
if you want to see what Jesus looks like, he puts himself on display in John chapter 4. We get to see the full cross, the transformation between God and humanity and between God, humanity and each other. And so Jesus knows that the Samaritan woman is a woman who is despised. He knows that as a Samaritan, people have said to her, you come from the wrong cultural group. He knows that Samaritans were so despised that if a Jew was walking into a neighborhood and somehow there was a sunny day and a Jew walked past a Samaritan and their shadows crossed, the Jewish person would be made defiled just by the shadow of a person from Samaria. And not only that, she's a woman. She's a woman who now knows that her gender is also under question. She would hear people praying, and it wasn't supposed to be a derogatory prayer. It was sincere. Lord, I thank you that I was not born a Gentile, an imbecile, or a woman. And to hear that day in, day out, to know that there's never going to be anything positive portrayed about you in the news, on a magazine cover, never anything in the culture around you that says something about you is worthy, that the Imago Day is in you. You are made in the image of God, that your life matters and that who you are is pleasing to God. To never see that, to never know that. To be born a Samaritan woman was a double whammy because not just was her gender wrong and not just was her ethnicity for, from, from the Jewish perspective wrong she was both at the same time she embodied that and so you know the Pharisees thought that God needed some extra rules amen and so they amended some of the some of the the commandments and they had this one particular rule that basically suggested this that Samaritan women were perpetual menstruants now let me explain what that meant the Old Testament says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Therefore, you're not to touch any animal or person who is bleeding, who has an issue of blood, which is why the story with the woman who had an issue of blood, she was outcast. She couldn't come near anybody because to be near anybody was to instantly defile them. Amen? And what the Pharisees said about Samaritan women was that there would never be a day you would be perpetually in that state. You would be considered always unclean, 360. 65 days of the year, every day of your life, nothing you touched, nothing you drank from, no place you sat was considered clean enough for anybody else to touch it afterward. So I ask you, what does that do to a person's self-esteem? What does that do to a person's sense of worth? Well, I believe it creates a hole in your soul. And I believe we start looking for love in all the wrong places. Do I have a witness? That's why I want to talk about this woman because just to wag our fingers at her and to say she was just a bad person, that is to so trivialize what has happened to her. She has lived in a society that has beat her down. And whenever we find ourselves in a place where we are looking for affirmation, maybe we didn't get it from our family, maybe we didn't get it from our culture, maybe we didn't get it from our church, we start looking for it in other places. And so she began looking for it in romantic relationships. I told you her story was not that foreign from our own. So she began looking for love in all the wrong places and she's had it now. So when she comes to this well, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, she comes not expecting to see anybody. She is tired. Amen. That's when you are real through, all the way done. You don't want to be around church folk. Amen. 
Amen. Oh, I wish I had some time to preach in here because sometimes you want to go to the well when you're not going to see anybody familiar because you know how folks will be, hey, how are you doing? And as soon as you pass, girl, you know, you, you don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. You can see what they're not saying because body language matters. That's why I ask folks every now and then, just smile at somebody. That's a cross-cultural skill because people can see it on your face when you're looking at them kind of crazy. And she sees it all the time, so she waits till she doesn't expect to see anybody at the well because she's tired of them. So she gets to the well, and can you imagine what she must feel like when she looks and hears a Jewish guy <laughs> sitting on the well? And then he says, hey, wow, hot. Can I have a, can I have a, you know, would you give me a drink of water? Now, my sense is that she is so caught off guard by this. A Jew is not supposed to be in her neighborhood because they avoid her neighborhood. A man should not be talking to her. And every man who did talk to her and promised something has not kept his promise. So I can only imagine her shock when he shows up on what seems to be the wrong day at the wrong place. But I'm here to tell you, you never know when you have a divine appointment with Jesus. Amen. You never know when you on on the radar of the Holy Ghost. You just never know. You expect to meet him. I expect to meet him on Sunday because he's supposed to show up. Amen. I, I, I expect to see him. So we dress up. Amen. We do right for Sunday because we know he should come. Oh, but he'll show up at the grocery store when you least expect it. Amen. You will be minding your own business. Just go Going down aisle number three, turn to aisle number two, and here goes Jesus waiting on you. Your friend, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You'll be at the party and thinking nobody knows you there, and the next thing you know, you say, Jesus? Oh, he has a way. I like Saturday night Jesus. I like Saturday night Jesus. Oh, I wish I had some time. I feel like preaching all of a sudden. Oh, Jesus will show up when you least expect him. And, and, and I think on some level she probably wants to say, you don't want to be around me. If you knew where I was last night, if you knew who I am, if you knew why I come here at this time so I don't have to interact with people and answer any questions, if you knew me, you wouldn't want to be with me. And Jesus says to my friend Sam, he says to every single one of us, I came here to be with you. Oh, God. That's exactly who I want to be with. You do not repulse me, Sam. I am not afraid of you. Your story is not too much for me to handle. I don't care who you are, what you've been through, what you're going through, the depression that you feel, the divorce that you've been contemplating. Jesus said, I came to the conference for you. I gave her this text for you. You're exactly who I want to see. She doesn't believe it. She's caught off guard by it. She doesn't know what to say. She's basically dumbfounded. And so Jesus has to help her to understand that he is here on a mission. There's a purpose going on. And so she's saying, you know what? You don't even have a bucket. You're talking about me giving you living, giving you water. Well, and then he says, but if you understood who I was, if you understood what I'm able to do, you wouldn't just question my asking of you of something. But let me take a quick break real quick and say this. 
How wonderful is it that he didn't come to her with the stuff about her marriages first? He didn't say one thing to her other than, I need your help. Wouldn't it be a wonderful approach to our evangelism as evangelicals that we would stop making folks feel so bad that we wouldn't come to them or go to Africa or East Asia or any place that we go serve and say, you know what, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws or however we do it that we come out as the people in the know and they're the people who are not in the know? What would happen if we went to a different culture and we started by saying, you have something that would give us life? Would you give us a drink of water? Before we share anything we have, could we please ask you to serve us? He already gives this woman self-esteem and dignity, does he not? He already says to her, Sam, you have something that I need. And every single person who we encounter, homeless, refugee, from a different racial, ethnic, cultural, socioeconomic background, they too are bearers of the image of God, and they too have water, and they too need to know that they have something that they get to offer us. And we start there. She doesn't know how to take it. Somebody wants to drink from her cup. I told you, nobody drinks from her cup. She can't believe it. So she kind of goes, what? And then he said, if you knew who was talking to you and the gift of God that's sitting right here with you, you would have asked him for living water. I think she was just about to blow him off. And all of a sudden, he says this intriguing, innovative, interesting thing that makes her literally stop and say, what? You got what? Living water? You know what I love about that? The witness of Christ is so compelling, so interesting, so innovative that it makes people want to ask us more questions. Wouldn't it be so wonderful if we made Jesus so attractive that we didn't say stuff like, you ought to come to church. We know that already. Amen. How about that? Or, or you ought to get your life together. Anybody whose life is messed up, they already know they should get their life together. How about we try something that sounds so interesting that right when they were about to blow us off, they said, what, what did you say? I was in Kenya and I saw them do a, a conversion testimony of a brother who had given his life to Christ. They had an empty coffin and they had a funeral, a mock funeral. And they go through the middle of the community crying for Brother Sam who just went home. Oh, Sam is gone. Sam is gone. And we're all thinking Sam has died and people are mourning. And then you see him two days later someplace, you know, in the market. And you feel like they told me you died. And then Sam says, I did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, but now I am alive in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I feel like preaching. Yeah, that's the kind of testimony that the people of that's interesting. That's innovative. That's different. Why don't we become the people who people want to be around? Why don't we become the people who folks want to ask a question of? So she wants it. She goes, yeah, buddy, give me this living water because you're right, Jesus. Everybody who keeps coming back to this well does get thirsty over and over and over again. And doesn't that say something to us about the insatiable nature of sin? That no matter what it is, we've been trying to fill the hole within our souls. Whatever it is, romantic relationships, workaholism, people-pleasing, chocolate cake, Oh, 
awards and accolades, having kids, buying a house, making more money. You talk to me. And Jesus says, I don't care what it is you're using, positive or negative, alcohol, pornography, or getting good grades. If you keep coming back to this water, this well, and thinking that that's going to satisfy your deepest thirst, you'll have to keep coming back here again. Can I get a witness? You'll get thirsty again. You'll get thirsty again. You'll get thirsty again. And she said, you're right. I am tired. And I do continually get thirsty. Give me this water so that I don't keep getting thirsty and have to keep coming back to this same well over and over and over and over again because it ain't working. And then she's, Jesus says, great, go get your husband and come back. Now, this is when I get mad with Jesus because I think, Jesus, she ready. Altar call right now. Amen. She says she ready. Seal the deal, Jesus. She says she want it. Give it to her, Jesus. Why go call your husband and get back? Come back. I'm so glad you asked because... This is instructive for the people of God. Jesus, I think, is basically saying to my friend Sam, before you can value the real thing, I, help, I need you to identify the counterfeit. I, I, I want to make a divine swap with you. And I need you to understand that before you'll really understand the treasure of what it is I'm giving you, you must understand and name, identify the thing that's not satisfying. Go get your husband. Go get your husband and come back. And, and I think Jesus is wanting to make a swap with her. You give me what doesn't work and I'll give you what will give work. You give me what does not satisfy and I'll give you what will satisfy. You give me the false thing and I'll give you the real thing. Deal or no deal. And you know, sometimes we've been through enough drama in our lives that we don't even want to tell Jesus the whole story. So she said, you know, suffice it to say, I am not married. You know, to tell you the whole thing would take too long. So I, I, I have no husband, period. That's all I got. And now Jesus reads her mail and says, you're absolutely right, Sam. You've had five husbands, and the husband you now have is not your husband. He's your boo. But let me tell you something about my friend Sam. This is when I fell in love with her. Did you know that women could not divorce men? Men divorced women. And you could divorce a woman for having a physical abnormality that you did not see prior to marriage when she was disrobed. You could divorce a woman if she could not bear children. You could divorce a woman if she couldn't cook. And all you had to do was take her in a public place and say three times in the presence of witnesses, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. Five times, five men promised that I do, and they didn't. And so maybe now she has been such damaged goods that she doesn't even hope for anybody to marry her. She's just trying not to be homeless. And Jesus is saying, Sam, and I believe he's saying to each one of us, we don't start out to destroy our lives. I don't think she said, how many times can I get married? Let me see, two, three, no, five. 
I think, like he said, we just kept going back to a well that we hoped would work and it didn't. And before we knew it, we found ourselves in situations, workaholism, alcoholism, people-pleasing, overworking, denying our families, denying ourselves, not enough rest, not enough health, overeating, you name it. And Jesus has come to this well to make a divine swap with us, an exchange with us. The well is that place where Jesus says, I know you're not bad people. Pastor, you're doing everything you know to do. And that hole in your soul that you thought you would fill by serving people to your own demise is not working. And I want to restore your soul and transform you. I want to give you a well that comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. I want to, I want to swap you. I want to, I want to exchange with you. Deal or no deal. Now, whenever Jesus puts his hand on our problems, on our issues, we, I think, want to do what my friend Sam did. She changed the subject. Do you hear me? Jesus puts his finger right on it. And I know some of us are right now squirming. She did not say overeating. Yes, I did. Shopaholic. You just put it in there. Makeup. Whatever it is, it does not matter. What we do on Facebook and Twitter, the stuff we say that in real company, we'd never say to somebody's face. Jesus is bringing us to this place of having to look at that. And the temptation is to do what she did. I can see you are a prophet. Let's talk religion, Jesus. You know what? Where do you think we should worship? In Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem? Which one do you think is better? No, let's talk about women in ministry. Do you think that women should preach? Isn't she like a little too long? Ah, oh, what do you think about baptism? Should we sprinkle them or should we dunk them? What you think? Should we raise our and she knows that she does not mean she'll surrender all. So until she can sing it and mean it, she just hums. Lord God, would you lose a hum in ministry in the church? Because there are many of us who sing what we don't plan to do. And this is the day that it's time to do it. And so Jesus says to her, Know that I'm looking for people who'll tell the truth. And she said, you know what? 
when the Messiah comes, he'll explain everything to us. Translation, when he comes, then I'll know the answers to the questions I really have. I don't want to answer them here. I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't know you well enough. And Jesus says to her, and he says to you and me, the person you've been waiting for, the opportunity you've been looking for, this is the time and this is the place. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to put it off. The person you're looking for, I'm he. The answers that you're seeking, I have. The healing that you've longed for, I brought it. I'm here now. And so I need to quit. And let me just say this as I close. I welcome you to the well. I remember my experience at the well. I was already with an MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary, and I was serving as a chaplain of college students. I went to a healing conference to supervise them. My job with the chaplain was to make sure that our students didn't fall in error. That night, the person who was leading, John Wimber, was leading this healing conference, led us in a guiding meditation. And he said, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to envision yourself in a garden. He said, this garden is beautiful. I saw myself, and the first thing that should have given me a pause was that I was a little girl and not an adult. And I was skipping along in this garden. He said, now in the garden, there's a path. He said, do you see it? And in my mind's eye, I saw it. And he said, now walk down the path, because at the end of the path, there's a well. And he said, now when you get to the well, there's a bucket on the lip of the well. I want you to lower the bucket. Take the handle in your imagination and lower the bucket into the well. Bring it back up. Now dip your finger into the, to the, to the bucket because in it, there's the blood of Jesus. And I want you to apply it to where it hurts. In my imagination, I put my finger on my heart. In that moment, I had no idea prior to that, that with all my accomplishments, my heart was broken and I was putting on a facade. Then all of a sudden, John, John Wimber was no longer speaking and I saw Jesus standing at the well and there was a flower in his hand and he was extending it to me. And in my mind's eye, I said, oh, I can't take that. I can't take that, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the image went poof, away. I couldn't see anything, complete nothing. Later, I met with those same college students that I went to supervise. And we all told each other what we saw in the meditation. I said what I saw. And one of my students, who is now a man of God and a pastor today, Tyson, said, you know what, Brenda? You're going to have to be able to receive that flower from God. It took me years to know that God wanted to heal me on the inside out and transform my life. I wouldn't be on the stage today had Jesus not met me at the well. Lord, we stand in your presence and we report for duty. You need the church to be the church. And so with our whole hearts, we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do it through us, we pray, in the matchless name of Jesus our Christ and the people of God said. Amen. 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 Was that good? That was good. Listen, to, to tie it all together in our neighboring series, the command was to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, in this story, this is a picture of Jesus loving his neighbor, loving this Samaritan woman. 
But I think the main point of this thing is before you can love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love yourself. You have to let yourself be loved the way that Jesus loved this woman. She had to embrace and accept that something she thought was, ah, no, I'm worthless, I'm invaluable, I've been here, I've done that, I've done this. This is my race, this is my gender, this is my, my lot in life in society. And Jesus said, that doesn't matter, I love you. You're of value, you're of worth, let yourself be loved. And then go take that love and give it to other people. Can we just pray? Because I think we need to do some business with God right now. Let's, let's all pray together. Lord, as we heard that word together this morning, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty real. I think a lot of us are walking through life um, having never, never honestly really completely surrendered to the love that you have for us and allowed ourselves to believe that just like you met that woman at the well, Lord, that you've, you've, you're here reaching out to meet us in our lives, in our brokenness, and that we don't have to keep going back to the imitation, the things, the, the, the addictions, the habits, the thoughts, the feelings, uh, the, the finances, whatever it might be that, that leaves us thirsty every time and coming back for more. But Lord, we can come to you once and for all with that living water that loves us, that accepts us, that forgives us, and, and just is proud of us for who we are right now, where we're at. And all you've come to do is to make us better, not to point out all of our flaws and our judgments and our yesterdays, but to give us a brighter tomorrow, starting right here and right now. Lord, I pray that you would continue that work right now. I know that it may take a long time for, for some of us to really embrace what you think about us. Lord, but I pray that that would start here today in our hearts, that we would just give you a little bit more room, a little bit more space to work, and you would show us how much you love us and how proud you are of us. And Lord, the love that we feel and we embrace and we receive from you, that we would actually take that and offer that to other people because there's people out there feeling exactly like we do and they need a touch from someone that has that love of Jesus. Lord, work in us today and work through us today. Continue what you're doing and showing us how much you love us. And I want to say another part of this prayer that's important is maybe you've never, maybe you've never surrendered Maybe you've never come into that relationship in the very first place. There's a lot of us in, in this room that we're, we're trying to get better and we're trying to surrender more, but we've already made this decision at some time in our life where we prayed a prayer that said, Jesus, we give you our all. We surrender to you. We choose to follow you and receive all that you have for us. Maybe you're here today in church and you've never done that. I'm telling you from personal experience, from testimonies all across people in this room, that that is the one decision, the one prayer that changes everything in your life. And if you're willing to take a step of faith today and to pray that prayer to say, God, I surrender my life to you. I give you control. I ask you to come in to help me and change me and forgive me. I promise you, your life will never be the same. But you have to give him permission. He won't just force himself. You have to allow God to be your God, your father, your savior, and your friend. And if you're at a point in life today that maybe whatever happened this weekend with the hurricane and just thinking about what life's all about and maybe coming to church here this morning, the message you heard or the love of the people around you, whatever it is that drew you to him and you're ready to make that decision right now, I would love to personally lead you in a prayer right now that could change everything for you, that could put you back in relationship with God the way that he originally intended for you that says no matter what you go through in life, he'll now be on your side to carry you, to help you, to protect you to forgive you of all the guilt and the baggage and the burdens that you carry with you. He promises you new life in him and life everlasting in heaven when you die and you meet him face to face someday. It's a win-win situation. All you got to do is just give him control of your life and give him your heart. 
If you'd like to pray this prayer with me right now, I would love to pray with you. And this is how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna pray the words out loud. I'm not gonna make you pray them out loud in front of everybody. God's after your heart. So it starts with a heart decision. I'm gonna pray the words out loud. You take my words, make them your words in your heart quietly right now, just to you and just for, to God from you right now. After service, you can go and tell someone. You can go and confess with your mouth. Hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm, I'm a Christian now. Whoever you tell, your friend, your family member that brought you or got you here this morning, they're going to be excited. They're going to be so stoked for you, and they're going to help you with next steps. But right now, let's take care of this heart issue just between you and God. And if you'd like to pray this prayer to become a Christian, to receive Jesus, and you want to pray this with me quietly in your heart as I prayed out loud, I'm going to ask one thing. Everybody's eyes are closed. Their heads are bowed right now in this room. But if you're going to pray with me, can you just let me know we're praying together? Can I have the privilege of knowing who I'm personally praying with this morning? Could you just lift your hand right now just to say, Pastor Carl, I want to pray this prayer. Can you hold it up until I see you? I just want to know who I'm praying with. Good. I see you over here. I see you there, ma'am. I see you three in a row right there. Praise God. Thank you for that. I see you, ma'am, right here. I see you, sir. I see a couple in the back. I see a couple over there in the back as well. You just got to know that you've been seen, that somebody sees you. Amen. If there's anybody else, if you're watching online right now, God God sees you. You might be in the, the kids' room in the back or the courtyard right now. Somebody sees you. What matters most is God sees you. So you can put your hands down right now. He sees your heart. Would you just make this the prayer of your heart personally? The words I say out loud, own them. These are your words to God. Here we go. God, I'm here today, and I'm just letting you know that, that I want to follow you, that I need you. I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm not strong enough, God. I'm not strong enough to handle the storms that come at me. Lord, my image and my identity and my view of myself, it's pretty bad, God. I just need to know that someone loves me, that someone believes in me, that someone wants to make me better, they want to fix my life. And God, I believe today that that's you. I believe honestly, God, you sent your son Jesus to this earth about 2,000 years ago to show us how to have restored relationship with you, to show us that you love us. And then he showed the ultimate act of love by going to that cross and dying for our sake, Lord. So I believe that Jesus at the cross, he died for me and for my sins and my shortcomings and my mistakes, my guilt, my self-image, all the stuff I struggle with. He died to put that to rest once and for all. And then he rose again on the third day, showing that he has power over death itself and that his power is also death over my sin and my separation from God. All the junk in my life he put to death. And from here on out, as I believe in you, I believe I have new life through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not even sure 100% what that means, Lord, but I want it in my life. Lord, as I say yes to you, I need help in changing the things that I can't change. Lord, I promise today to start reading my Bible, to know who you are, to learn about you. Lord, to go to church so I can be around God's people. They could have my back. They could be with me. They could help me. Lord, I need some family. I need some community. Lord, I promise to do that. Lord, I, I ask that you would help me to have the opportunity to get water baptized just as an outward symbol to focus what you're doing in my life to show people I'm dying to my old self and I'm being born again, a new creation. Lord, thank you for this change that's in my heart right now that's going to be in my life. And Lord, that I get to know you all of my days, even when I die and go to heaven to be with you forever and ever. Thank you for being my God from this moment forward. I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God with those people that made that decision? Yeah. So good.